In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. What do divorce rates, cohabitation percentages, and pornographic usage have in common? Answer, they're the same inside the church as outside the church, virtually the same. So this has led me to ask a question that I want to tell you about on this episode. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From men in the arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey, welcome to another episode of Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10. I'm Jim Ramos, your host and guide, leading you to your best version in the stress bubble of life and beyond. Welcome to Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Juniper Mountain Trading Post. Juniper Mountain Trading Post is actually a coffee company. It is my new favorite coffee. They just came out with a brand new, uh, I'm not going to call it flavor, it's a roast. It's called Cupped Lightning. So they have their Trail Boss, they have their Camp Cook, which are their dark and medium roast, but Cupped Lightning is their light roast, and I put that in my coffee press, and man, it is so good. It does not taste like a light roast. It really has a medium roast flavor. It is delicious. Go check it out, guys. Hey, head on over to junipermountaintradingpost.com, and when you check out with your coffee, if you enter the code ARENA, they will give you 10% off your order. Hey guys, as you know, this year we're trying to find 365 hero stories from you and those you love. A hero story is a story of transformation. We don't need you to tell us how awesome we are. We already know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We just need you to tell us how awesome God is in your life or to have one of your loved ones write in and tell us how much they've seen God use our ministry to change and impact your life and those you love. So if you could do that, that'd be great. This hero story is number 116 out of 365. It's from Tyler on Instagram. He writes in, he says, hey, I've been listening a lot to your podcasts. Really appreciate all that you bring to the table. That is not a hero story. Here it comes. I served the United States Marine Corps and I struggled quite a bit when I got out of service and I couldn't find my true self. So part of that struggle, struggle is a hero story in the making. He goes on, he says, 
He goes on, he says, listening to y'all, must be a Texan, made me become closer to God and gave me understanding on how I need to be as a man outside of the Marines. Yeah, the Marines don't identify, they don't identify you. You're not identified by that. I know that they would like you to think so. You're identified by way higher calling, and I love the military. So he says, thank you and God bless. So that's the hero story, is that God, God helped this Marine named Tyler to find himself beyond the Marines. You know, I work as a football chaplain at a local university telling these guys, hey, in four years, you're out of here. Then what? Who are you guys? You know, we have to find our identity and something beyond our career or our hobby. So uh, I hope that helps you guys. Hey, I want to talk about this concept today of are you all in or on the fence? Now, I know when I, I do something like this, people get really uh, nervous. Uh, they say, are you being judgy? Are you being judgmental? Doesn't the Bible talk about that? Well, it does. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, the most overquoted, under, un, under, the most overquoted, misunderstood verse in the Bible is Matthew 7, 1. It says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Verse 2, for in the way that you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard measure will be measured to you as well. Jesus himself said that. Interestingly enough, in verse 15, just a few verses down, Jesus also said, Beware of false prophets who will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. So isn't that funny? So we've got to go, okay, well, Jesus says don't judge, but over here he says judge. So let's talk about this, and, and I think we need to take this contextually. Right, so there is an element of of watching somebody's life and discerning who they are based on fruit. We cannot judge their eternity. That's God's job. Let me explain. In First Corinthians chapter five, verse eleven, the Apostle Paul writes, "I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people." He said this in verse 12, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, in other words, people who aren't Christians, but it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Did you hear that, man of God? He is saying it is our responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. It is our job to do that. That's one of the things that God expects us to do within the body of Christ. Verse 13 says, God will judge those outside the church, but as scripture says, you must remove the evil person from among you. So we can't implement church discipline. We can't uh, implement uh, church benevolence. We can't do anything in the church unless we discern where a person is at. We can't help single moms until we say, hey, that mom is single. We can't help divorced couples, people until we say, oh, that person is divorced, or a grieving widow until we realize, oh, that person is grieving, or that person who's struggling with sin until we look at that and diagnose it. We aren't to judge them uh, as far as their eternity goes, but we are definitely supposed to judge them based on their fruit of their life or the consequences that come down the pike in their life. So so I want to go back to this thing about people inside the church and outside the church. You know, one, one study talked about practicing Christians versus non-practicing tr- Christians, but what I want to do today is I've been troubled by the number of men that we see in our forum, the number of men that we see interacting with us on social media that are uh, on our Christian platform, and they talk a lot like Christians, 
But then you dive deeper and you're like, something is definitely not right here. And so from my experience, I'm talking about experience after 35 years almost in pastoral ministry. Here is my experience between a Christian and a an all-in follower of Jesus. So Christian, I don't use the word Christian in my own vernacular unless I put it in quotations because that means Christian nowadays means uh, they agree with what I've given my life to. And what I'm really interested in is I'm not interested in people to agree with what I've given my life to. I'm interested in people who have given their life to what I've given my life to. So there are all-in Christians and there are on the fence. There are all-in followers of Jesus and there are on-the-fence Christians. So let me tell you how I see some, some, some differences between the groups. So here's on-the-fence. They seem to follow culture scream. So they, they seem to see, they, they, they go with the pop culture. They follow pop culture. So whatever's popular, they seem to really dive into that. They care deeply about what the culture uh, of our society is saying and their message, and they really want to comply with that message. Where an all-in follower of Jesus listens to the Spirit's words. So I want to hear, I don't want to hear the scream of the world and follow that. That's what a on-the-fence Christian does, but as an all-in follower of Christ, we listen to the Spirit's whisper. Uh, Galatians 6, I think, verse 23 says, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Similarly to that, an on-the-fence Christian wants to obey the cultural message. So we've got a lot of cultural messages going on today, and the on-the-fence person wants to, you know, they want to comply with that, where the all-in follower of Jesus wants to obey God's word. It, God's word is what matters. God said it. That settles it. So I'm going to obey God's word, and I'm going to say things like homosexuality is a sin. I'm going to say things like sleeping with a woman when you are not married to her is a sin. These are things that are not popular in today's culture. I'm going to say masturbating to pornography is a sin. Those are those are things that are not popular in today's culture. So I'm going to I'm going to live true to the word of God. No, even if it's not popular. So the next thing, the next thing I, that I see with on the fence Christians is they they want to do what makes themselves or someone else happy. They're people pleasers. Where the all-in follower of Jesus, all they care about is pleasing God. And we know that's a conflict. We see the story of James and John in Acts chapter 5 where they're told, hey, don't preach the name of Jesus anymore. And they responded with, do whatever you got to do to us, but we're gonna we're here to please God and not you. Because they were all in. The on-the-fence Christian is a contract-driven Christian. In other words, they, they, they pray a prayer, they go to heaven, it's very contractual in nature. They think if I do this middle school prayer, then I get to go here when I die. Uh, I have a funny story about a friend of mine who was a prison guard, and they were trying to get him to uh, address this one man in a men's prison as a woman. And this particular person said, I, I won't do it. It's against my religion. And I had to laugh because this person never, ever goes to church. Right, but in this moment, it was their religion all of a sudden that they're that uh, you know type of thing. And so, uh, so, in other words, this contractual Christian is all about insurance. I want to have insurance. I want to I want to do just what I can do. I want to have just the amount of transaction to get me into heaven. 
where the all-in believer is a covenant follower of Jesus, where the contractual Christian is about insurance, the covenant follower of Jesus is about assurance, because the covenant follower of Jesus is not about the religion, it's all about the relationship. They have a dynamic functioning relationship with Jesus. If you go back to last week's Equipping Men in 10 podcast on uh, how I pray, you'll see that dynamic element of my prayer life in action. And it's not a, it's not religion. It's not about contract. It's about a covenant. The, uh, on the fence Christian hedges their bets. They try to walk the fence on both sides and it doesn't take long to notice, oh, they're on the fence because the all in Christian doesn't care about hedging. They have taken the risk. They're diving in headlong. They are all in for Jesus. The on the fence Christian I have found is a hoarder of their resources. I just had this conversation with a guy the other day, a younger guy, about how they hoard all their resources. You know, you you know when when God gives you resources, they are not yours to keep, they are yours to manage. And so, how do you manage those resources? The all-in believer knows that these are resources given to him or her to manage uh, their time, their talents, their, their, their money, their, their stuff. And so they willingly give those things away. So on the fence, I'm like this with my resources all in. I'm like this next level down uh, on my list here is that the, uh, on the fence Christian, uh, wants to serve and build their kingdom. So their all their energy goes to that where the, uh, all, all in Christian wants to serve God's kingdom. So a way, a way to see this in real time is, are you serving any other organizations or people for the glory of God? I mean, is your purpose in serving that group to bring them closer to Jesus? If it is not, then I would really question your motives for serving uh, as far as kingdom-oriented. Mo- and you may say, well, what about the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation? What about this secular group? I mean, if you want to do that, great. But I, I really believe, guys, that it's not about who you're serving it's about why you're serving them. If you're serving the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation because you love to kill elk and you want to preserve habitat for elk, that's great. But that's not a godly motive. If you're serving the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation because you want to reach people for Jesus, now you're talking. Now you're talking. You may want to help. You may have an organization that wants to help little children. But if you're not telling about Jesus or helping them with, with come close to Christ because you're afraid to share Christ with them because maybe you're afraid of getting your funding taken away or something. That's not the right reason. So that's an, that's an on the fence reason. Okay. So the next one is, uh, I, uh, the person who's on the fence is isolated. Uh, they're isolated. Their family is isolated. Th- in other words, they're not involved in any kind of Christian community. The all in follower of Jesus has Christian community. There's a lot of discussion out there about church. Throw the word church out of the will, throw the word church out. You need to be involved in a regular Christian community where Jesus is lifted and worshipped. You playing poker with your buddies and drinking whiskey and smoking cigars and not talking about Jesus at all is not Christian fellowship. That's a good time with your bros. You hunting with your buddies is not Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship only comes into the picture when you uplift Jesus. I went on a great hunting trip with a friend of mine in Hawaii a couple months ago, and we sat down at the table, and we had this wonderful uh, discussion about Jesus and about living for him and about our wives and how we're going to be better husbands. Man, that's what fellowship's all about. And so that's what I want to share there. So if you're isolated from Christian fellowship, guy, you need to plug in. You can go join our program. 
Lastly, or second to last thing on my list is the person who's on the fence, they celebrate or ignore personal sin. The person who's all in struggles with sin. In fact, I believe that your struggle with sin is one of the greatest signs that you are a follower of Jesus. I never struggled with uh, premarital sex or pornography or or uh, cussing or uh, whatever. I never struggled with that as a young man. Never. But when I became a Christian, now these things I realize, oh, I need to find freedom from the sin in my life. So there's a difference. Lastly, I want to say this. The fence-sitting Christian is very event. They're an event Christian. I like to call them CEOs. They're Christmas, Easter only. Maybe a funeral, maybe a wedding. They just are very event-driven when it comes to their involvement with, with Christ, where the all-in follower of Jesus is a daily. They're daily driven. So you have event versus daily. You could even break that down and say moment by moment. that The all-in follower of Jesus thinks about Jesus all the time, all day long, with the event follower. It's more about who invites them, what's the occasion. So guys, I hope I hope this has helped you. There are so many guys out there right now that are on the fence, and it's time for you to make a decision. You need to make a decision. Are you going to follow Jesus or aren't you? Because there are no fence, there are no people on the fence following Jesus. They just don't exist. You can't do that. You've got to decide whether you're going to follow Jesus or are you going to be a fan? Are you going to be a button clicker, click a thumb, click a heart, click a share button, be a fan? Or are you going to actually go all in, give your life to Jesus, and follow him? You know, Galatians 2.20 is pretty clear to me. I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. The life I live in the flesh, I live for the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's what all in looks like. Guys, do me a favor, if you're just listening to this podcast or watching it and you have not subscribed, man, make sure you hit that subscribe button. It helps us in our rankings, helps us to reach more people ultimately for Jesus. Until next time, feel the wet sound on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Get off the fence and be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.